You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Miller, left point, down to the right side. Jacob Truba, long drive, tipped off a stick. They score! But yeah, we just, I, I, some guys were just ready to play tonight. I do think Besser and the Canucks and the Wild have all talked. His agent has permission to speak to other teams. Get to see him a little bit more, probably playing against Phoenix a lot more, and I'm glad that uh, he got out of there. Pull it together, I want to go home! Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford, it is Broth, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, he is the king of footwear, the prince of orthotics. Jason Bruff, everybody. Yeah, I'm wearing them right now, and they feel great. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by 1,500. Um, over 1,500. Well, Five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit. It was never exactly 1,500. It's around 1,500. Well, it probably was at one point. Uh, find your perfect fit at Kentech.net. We have a big show. I'm excited. It's Thursday. It's the NBA trade deadline. There was a massive trade overnight for most of you, which we will get into in a moment. NBA trade deadline. Canucks game tonight. The Phoenix Open starts today. The Phoenix Open, Jason. Yeah, it's called the Waste Management Open. It's called the Phoenix it hasn't Open. Been called the Phoenix Open for a long time. Uh, look, I'm old school. It's called the Phoenix Open. So we got a lot to get into on the show today. We have four guests beginning at 6:30. Kevin Kurz from the Athletic used to cover the Sharks, now covers the Islanders. Canucks Islanders tonight, 4:30 from New York. The return. Bo Horvat faces his old uh, old old club. Sorry, just a few days after being traded away from said club. Uh, we will preview that and look at the aisles with Kevin Kurz at 6.30, 7 o'clock. We have, we have an author on the show, Jason. A real book author on the show. Not it? only is it an author, it's an investigative journalist. Yeah, this is really highbrow for our program. We are excited to be joined by Evan Drellich at 7 o'clock. Uh, he covers the business of baseball for The Athletic, but he is the author of a new book, Winning Fixes Everything. How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sports' Biggest Mess. The Houston Astros expose. So we'll talk to Evan about that he, at 7 he, o'clock. He, he broke the Astros cheating scandal. Yeah. That was, that was him. Yep. And now we're he's written a book about it. And the book, hasn't even, his book hasn't even come out yet. This is like a book junket. A press tour, if you will. I'm excited to be part of one of those. 7.30, Brendan Batchelor is going to join us. He was on the call last night for the Canucks' loss against the Rangers. He will be on the call tonight for their game against the Isles. And then at 8 o'clock, Frank Saravalli our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. So working in reverse, 8 o'clock at Sarah Valley, 7.30, Brendan Batchelor, 7 o'clock, Evan Drellich, 6.30, Kevin Kurz. I mentioned you got the Canucks and Isles, 4.30 from New York tonight. Note the puck drop time. There's six NHL games tonight. There's a lot of really, really good games tonight. Colorado tanks on Tampa Bay in a Stanley Cup final rematch. You got two Canadian teams in action. Edmonton against Philly. Calgary's got Detroit. You got uh, Seattle and New Jersey. Yeah, Minnesota and Vegas. Some really good games tonight in the NHL. Four NBA games, but that's secondary because the NBA trade deadline is going crazy. It's gone wild overnight. Uh, so there's a lot to get into. Let's do that by telling everybody what happened. 
did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? I know it's your home of the Canucks, and I know the Canucks played last night. Real quick, for those that might have missed it, very late last night, after 10 o'clock Pacific, uh, the Phoenix Suns orchestrated a huge blockbuster trade, shook up the NBA, acquiring Kevin Durant. That's right, KD is on his way back to the Western Conference. It is a package that includes Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and get this, four, four unprotected first round picks well, the, including one in 2029 well they got a new owner there in uh phoenix and and clearly the new owner his first step it would be great if they could get out of the nba sad club mm-hmm. they've been around in phoenix since i think 1969 so basically they're one year older than the canucks and they've never won a title and they just went to the nba finals mm-hmm. in 2021 and now have added Kevin Durant without trading away Devin Booker, right. Chris Paul, or DeAndre Ayton. Well, Chris Paul is another very uh, intriguing storyline in all this, too. I was looking at the NBA odds mm-hmm. to win and how they've changed, and the Phoenix Suns are now the third favorite team to win after Boston and Milwaukee. Denver is in there uh, as well. Uh, they're in the NBA sad club. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's all shaping up to be pretty compelling. Now, the NBA odds don't always mean something because there was a team in Brooklyn that always had pretty um, not attractive. Like It was just like the odds said that they were probably going to win, and they didn't even come close to winning. So KD gets out of Brooklyn uh, after Kyrie got out of Brooklyn. So Brooklyn is left with what? First-round draft picks? A whole lot of them. The crazy part is that Brooklyn is 10 games above five hundred and is in fifth place in the East. Like, they are probably going to be in the playoffs unless uh, they go. I don't know. They could lose all their games. They're not that bad, though. They got good players in return, just yeah. no superstars. Like, they could play 500 basketball till the end of the year and be in mm-hmm. the playoffs. It's So this is – it's like, how do you segue from NBA trade deadline to the Canucks? Well, maybe you have that intermediary where you talk about the difference in trade deadlines. <laughs> Every year, the NBA is like, we're just going to completely revamp the league. Yesterday, in the span of a handful of hours, and if you want to go all the way back to the weekend, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant all got traded in, this, in, in a matter of days, mm-hmm. right? Meanwhile, I know that we're going to be going into the March trade deadline talking about the Matthew Joseph sweepstakes. Right, something in, along those lines. Yeah, and that, and it's it stinks, and part of this is not any of the... GM's fault, right? I think some old stars might get uh, traded, like Patrick Kane could be Vladimir Tarasenko, intriguing, like guys like that. But you know, I think (laughs) is it possible that the big trade has already been done with Bo Horvat? Yes, I think it's very possible. Anyway, speaking of Bo Horvat, the Canucks are going to face their former captain tonight. But in terms of what happened last night, taking on another New York foe, and it was Philip Heedle who now has goals in five straight games. The New York Rangers won their third in a row, and the Canucks lost again 4-3 at Madison Square Garden on Wednesday. Uh, Heedle, I believe it's 11 in his last 13, another goal scorer for them. Uh, Good effort by the Canucks yet again. I assume it was in a back-to-back effort, although Rick Tockett had some issues with some of the players' efforts. But again, it's another 4-3 loss for the Canucks. 
uh, in Madison yeah, Square Garden. To, to I think a lot of people watching, um, it was similar to Monday's loss to the Devils when the Canucks did a lot of good things but had that collapse and lost. Uh, last night, the Rangers only had 21 shots. I mean, during the Bruce Boudreau era, that would have been like, wow, what a defensive effort. A gem. Now, unfortunately, four of them got past Spencer Martin. Um, the way the Canucks started is what Rick Tockett was really frustrated with. And the Rangers were up 2 nothing fairly early on. OEL fell asleep on the first one. And Sheldon Dries lost his check on the second. The third goal for the Rangers was a lucky bounce for them. Unlucky for the Canucks. And the fourth goal was a nice tip by Zabanajad. So, like, overall, you're looking at that and going, <laughs> the, I think the bar is so low for, like, a solid effort. Right. And, and and not just an effort effort, but just, uh, you know, the way the Canucks played. A disciplined effort. A disciplined effort. Uh, you know, Quinn Hughes was a stud. He made a great play and passed a Garland on the Canucks' first goal. He took a puck in the face and returned with a full shield. Pod Colson got his first goal of the season. Uh, albeit on a bit of a lucky deflection, but after a really nice forecheck and pass by JT Miller. So we're all watching this Canucks team, and it does look better, but it's still not good. It just looks better. It looks more responsible. You're not you're not yelling at the TV throughout the whole game for some ridiculous giveaway or wondering what the hell they're doing defensively on every goal against. I'm sure some people yelled at the TV uh, at OEL on, on the first goal. And Rick Tockett clearly was not happy with how the Canucks came out last night. Yeah, so we'll play some Tockett audio now. Again, five games in charge. Uh, we haven't, we've had him on the show. He's done a bit of media and obviously talks after the games. But we're still trying to figure out, I'm going to say almost everything, about what he is as a coach. So that's really twofold. One, what systems and structure has he implemented on the ice? And then two... How does he go about um, analyzing his team, explaining his team? And I'll say this, the one thing that I've learned about him, definitely not afraid to criticize his team, right? He's been in charge five games. So we are after the blowout loss in Seattle a couple weeks ago, there was the, I don't want to say infamous, but what the hell, infamous uh, calling them soft, which he said, I didn't call them soft, even though I was like, you kind of called them soft. And then last night, uh, second of a back-to-back, one of the things that he stressed in the past is uh, I've been told that this group has had an issue about putting together consecutive, meaning multiple, uh, predictable performances, as he put it. Basically, they don't have the same level of effort and attention to detail night after night after night. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's up. Sometimes it's down. So he was asked about this yesterday and in true Tocchettian form, uh, took an answer in a lot of different directions. So the, this clip begins with iMac asking a question about the performance that night, and then talk, taking it in a few different places, then on the backside of the clip, starts talking about the effort of Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, Greg, let's play that now. We've talked uh, a couple of times about uh, setting a standard, so if you have one good game, we'll follow yeah. it with another. Is tonight an example where you didn't follow it? <clears throat> well, we played a similar team in New Jersey, and I thought we played well, and but to play the same way in the hard... You know, the, the, like I keep saying, it, you guys get tired of me saying value plays, but those are things that you have to value every game. Um, and then you're going to chase, right? Um, we had some guys give some really good efforts. I think Ethan Bear was terrific tonight. We had some guys that we had four or five guys were just, they they weren't good. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I, listen, I've played the game for it. I've been bad myself, but if you're bad and you don't have it, 
you got to make sure that you get the puck in deep or you're good in position. You can't be you can't be bad at every area. So I thought we had five guys that weren't they were just not good. Kuzmenko, one of those. Five. Yeah, he wasn't good today. He was uh, spinning everywhere. I mean, it's just not him. But you know, he's a young kid. I mean, in the sense that uh, it's his second second year in the league or whatever. Um, was his first? His first year. Sorry. Um, so, but he'll learn. He'll learn. It is kind of funny. Like we came in here and we were like, I didn't think they were that bad. Like, and we're, then we're actually <laughs> disagreeing with the coach. Like normally it was completely the other way around. I know. We'd just be like killing them. And and, and Bruce uh, probably for. Um, expected reasons because you know there were times when the Canucks were just so bad that he yep. was like I'm not going to bury these guys like there's no there's no point in doing that everyone else is going to bury them and, and and we did but you know I I don't know about you guys if uh, the dogs if, if if you guys watched the game yesterday um Andy's just upset about the Kuzmenko no I know I don't know but how like, <laughs> dare he yeah but if you're watching if you're watching Spinning the- entertainingly if you're watching these guys right now, you watch last night and you're kind of like, yeah, it wasn't perfect. Obviously, it wasn't perfect, but there, there, I guess there have just been so many worse nights. Oh yeah, yeah. For the Canucks, that you're kind of like, yeah, you know what? And 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 another thing, probably too, is that there are a lot of people that love that result. Yeah, they lost. You know, they they weren't horrible. They didn't embarrass the city. They didn't look like they were playing beer league. And, you know, there were some good moments. The The Connor Garland goal was a nice goal. Uh, wow, what a, what a high bar. It was a big P- night P- for Team goal. Tank. Big night yeah. for Team Tank. Well, the bar has the bar has dropped. Not for Tockett. No. Which I think well, is, he's the new is, coach, which is, right? Which is, which is I great. hope. Yeah, which well, is great. Can't, can't, if, the, if the bar has already dropped after five games for Tockett, like, he's trying to teach these guys. He can only point at the elephant sign so many times. Yeah. Say, Small bites, boys. Eating the elephant. Eating Small the boys. elephant. No, it's a good point to bring up, though, because... Uh, quite honestly, Tockett hasn't been here all year, right? Like, you know, you're standing there first time. This is the first time you're seeing this. We've seen this all year. And I think there's a little bit of shell shock or reverberation where, yeah, your, your, your expectations and I'm the, we is the Royal Halford and Bruff show, but Mm -hmm. your expectations fall reality sets in and you stop becoming mad and you can just become disappointed. Then you kind of become a little bit apathetic, and then it's you're we're right back in moral victory territory. Totally, like I came oh, absolutely. In, I came in this morning, and I was like, you know what? For two teams in the East that are in the top half of the Eastern Conference, and <laughs> oh, play pretty good hockey, and you're on the road, and you're in the second of a back to back. One goal losses, you get a point, even though you don't need the point. You got the a point two t- two teams look like they were in the same league, you know? Yeah, like, like I was pretty. You got to be happy with that. And then <laughs> kudos to talk it for again. Not just saying that it wasn't good enough, but we need to figure out who these five guys are, by the way. <laughs> so one of them was Kuzmenko, noted spinning underachiever Andre Kuzmenko. I wouldn't <sighs> be surprised if another Sheldon Dries. Was not great? No. OEL? OEL would be one, yeah. Right? Probably. I mean, if, if only the collected assembled media had walked them closer and closer to identifying the five guys that weren't very just good. Just go through their whole list. Was it this guy? What about this guy? Yeah. What about that guy? It was this guy? And it wasn't Ethan Bear yeah. because he put Ethan Bear out of that category. But mm-hmm. the, I think the point and purpose of this, this gag and this exercise is that this is Tockett. I think that he is going to be – here's the thing. You can classify him as a straight shooter. And you're going to be like, he'll just say what's on his mind. Right. But he kind of does it in a way where um, – he doesn't seem to think that there's anything particularly wrong with what he's saying. 
Or he doesn't have to walk anything back. Like He'll walk the walk and talk the talk, if Mm -hmm. that's a talking analogy. Um, I think that there's something there about, hey, I was brought in to identify these sorts of things. And I was brought in to stress attention to detail, identifying the leadership group, changing the culture, changing the standards, changing the habits, changing the practices. So why would he walk anything back? Or why would he even apologize for what he's saying. Yeah. Like if, if there was a, a collection of guys that weren't good enough last night, I think the obvious translation is if they were good enough, we probably would have won that hockey game mm-hmm. or in the future, we would win hockey games like that. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, again, big picture. I think it stinks that it had to come halfway through a completely lost year. I think if you look back on this, when we do the recap of the Canucks season and you kind of write the book on it, you're going to say, they wasted a season, really. If yeah. this is if this was the end game all along, right. was to bring a coach in that was going to implement these things, and you really pissed away forty to forty five games for well, no good if reason. If it ends in Connor Bedard, they didn't waste it. True, uh, looking true. ahead to tonight, this is the game that a lot of people have been circling, and I don't know, only happened a little while ago that Bo Horvat was traded. But then we all looked at the calendar, looked at the schedule, and we were like, "Wow, the Canucks and the Islanders play each other uh, next week." So uh, that game is here now. Uh, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how the Canucks play against Horvat, and we'll see how Horvat plays against the Canucks. Um, I think of more immediate concern to the Canucks is the health of Luke Shen, who got banged up somehow last night. He did hobble to the room for a bit, and then he returned, but... According to IMAX Twitter, he wasn't sitting down on the bench. So is that a potential back issue that Luke Shen has got? Uh, This is one of the Canucks, you know, trade chips. He's a pending unrestricted free agent, and there's apparently quite a bit of interest in Luke Shen. Now, I know there's been a bit of a debate about what the Canucks should do with Luke Shen and whether or not they should actually just re-sign him to a contract extension because of his leadership abilities, because of the type of player that he is, the type of veteran player, and you, you need those types of, uh, of players. You know, Personally, I think it's insane to, that they wouldn't nab a pick for him. If they can get a second-round pick or a third-round pick, you go take that pick. Uh, again, I know he's a, considered a leader in the room, but it's just a it's really just a matter of priorities here. Like you have to weigh what he brings with what the Canucks need and the Canucks need assets. Yep. Uh, they can always re- uh, resign Luke Shen this summer and if trading him for whatever reason costs them that opportunity, like for example, he goes to a new team and they say, we want to keep you and we've got the rights to you and we're going to give you this contract. Or maybe he's like, well, I'm not going to just re-sign with the team that traded me away. Screw that. Well, so be it. Like, is it ideal? No, it's not ideal, but it's a price the Canucks would have to pay to help out future rosters down the line. I I hope they make a decision soon uh, because Shen plays the type of game that can lead to injuries. And guess when I wrote that? I, I wrote that. I hope they make a decision soon because Shen plays the type of game that can lead to injuries. I wrote that in the afternoon before the game while I was prepping for tomorrow's show. And what do you know? So it's your fault. He got hurt. You jinxed it. Yeah. Classic bro. We did this thing with Horvat. And thank God they traded him before the All-Star break. And we we were sitting there going, like, they should not play him. Yeah. But they traded him before he did get hurt. And that was fortunate for them. 
but now we're all going to be keeping an eye on, on the situation for Luke Shen. It didn't look like it was one of those, you know, season-ending injuries. He did come back and play, but he didn't look he didn't look comfortable on the bench. Well, he couldn't sit. Maybe his glutes are diminished. That's always a possibility. Uh, Laddie, can we play the audio Frege on Luke Shen? Because Frege came on during the first intermission yesterday and ran through all the scenarios that are facing the Vancouver Canucks as it pertains to the trade market. And he began with Luke Shen talking about, and I think this is another important point to bring up here, seems like a fairly robust market for teams that would be interested in bringing him aboard. Here is Elliot Friedman on Luke Shen. There's quite a bit of interest in him. I think a few teams have called. I've thought about Tampa Bay, but I think that's less likely. I think Boston's in there on Shen. I think Calgary's in there on Shen, although the Flames might want to see exactly how the next couple of weeks go before they make a decision. And I think the Maple Leafs at times this year have also looked at Shen, and I believe there's probably more. You know, Luke Shen's an easy guy to handle. He's under a million dollars. It's not a huge price, although the price is probably driven up a little bit by the amount of interest there is in him. As I've said a couple of times this week, I think there's been some push from some people in the team to keep Shen, but I think they feel they're comfortable that they're going to get enough that they're going to want to make the move. Delicate balancing act, right? You can understand the allure of waiting and waiting and trying to push up the price because I've said this before, Luke Shen is the prototype of a guy that teams circle back on when they don't land their first option or their second option or sometimes maybe even their third option. Look, this is a league for as much as we lament the lack of movement sometimes, there's always that panic right at the deadline. It's classic NHL general managers. You know, when we we get off the air and we're like, the trade deadline is done. And then they're like, no, wait, there's 9,000 deals sitting at NHL. <laughs> yeah, reg- going NHL through Central. like at 3 p.m. still. Or like, right. Oh, there's there, there's like some old white-haired secretary like signing them off. She's like, Luke, Shen, okay, we'll get to this one. And then it's – so there is that element of it that you wait until the bitter end. By the way, uh, as we kind of morph back into the NBA trade deadline, this is, I think, kind of what the Toronto Raptors are doing right now because guess what happened overnight? the Western Conference became a virtual arms race. So in the last little bit, you had the Mavericks getting Kyrie Irving. You had the Lakers trading Russell Westbrook and bringing in D'Angelo Russell and a bunch of other guys, so they're loading up. Then you had the Phoenix Suns getting Kevin Durant. The top teams in the West, the teams like the Memphises and another sad club. Memphis is like, Damn. No, now they but they were like, do we have to do something? Yeah. Like an, an arms race unfolded last night. What about Denver? Mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic could be on his way to another MVP trophy. They are one of the top teams in the West. Yeah, he's so, like, Doncic got a guy. So that's what I'm saying. Do you call Toronto <laughs> now and be like, look, so this is the other crazy thing about the NBA is you can trade your first round pick seven years in advance. Mm-hmm. Seven. And what? teams are willing to do it. I didn't know that. Se- What's really? the NHL's limit? Uh, you know what? I don't even know. Is it two? No, three? it's more. I think it's three. I wow. think. And they actually had to put a rule in the NBA because there was an old GM. I think his name was Ted Stipen. Mm-hmm. And he would just trade like picks in perpetuity in the future. Like, the like end, OHL style into the right, 2030s? End date to be determined. Like, Did you, you just make up the NHL rule? Because I, I, no, I, I said I didn't know it. Right, but then you, right. you said I, I think, think it's I said th- I think it's three. But but here's here's the thing. Like I, I don't know if, if there's a rule, but it wouldn't be surprise me, surprise me if NHL GMs were just too conservative to do those deals. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. I will get the answer to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think I would have done that, given that I spent extensive time looking up the stipend rule in the NBA yesterday? 
But I, I, I think it is only three years. Mm-hmm. I want to say that I know this or that I just have yeah, kind of Go- talked it Google into. Google is saying it looks it like it's effect. three years. Yeah. Okay, three How years. How long yeah. do you give yeah. up in a offer sheet scenario? What's the length of? You need to have your f- next three first-round picks so in an offer that sheet. That might be the answer. No, that's right, isn't okay. it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You're, t- you're the rules guy. I know you touched on this, but I just every time this happens, I always just like, man, why can't the NHL do trades like this? They the can't. NBA trades are just so cool. They're so exciting. It the is. NHL trades suck. Nothing there, ever happens. I mean, we we don't even have enough time. We have to go to break pretty soon. Then we're coming back with Kevin Kurz to preview the Islanders game tonight. But there's about 18 different reasons mm-hmm. why. And it's just... It is kind of sad when you look at the NBA and the entire the entire league shifted in the span of like seven. Well, the NBA hours. trades are so much more significant. Like there was a big trade. His name was Bo Horvat, yeah. and he went to the New York Islanders. Um, he can't move the needle like a Kevin Durant, right? I yeah. mean, a Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix. All of a sudden, everything changes. Not just for the Suns, but in the Western Conference, in the league, in the Eastern Conference, like everything changes. It's different in hockey for a number of reasons. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Kurz is going to join us next from The Athletic. He covers those New York Islanders. We'll have an interesting chat with Kev coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, here's Barzell. You want to get that first one for your new team. 6.32 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I'm going to visit uh, Burrard Acura on Terminal Avenue later today because it's uh, New Car Day. Oh, I thought that was yesterday. No, it's today. Oh, that's exciting. I am very excited. It's like Christmas, mm-hmm. and then I'm getting a gift, and I don't know exactly what it is. I know it's an MDX. Mm-hmm. I don't know the year. I don't know the color. I don't know if they're going to give me one with like a nitro booster in it. It's going to be wrapped up in like present style, a little bow on top. Remember when we got Dom the car with the bow on it? Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah, was we did that. Yeah, we, we did that. Sorry. You haven't gotten me anything. <laughs> Thanks. As soon as I said it, I was like, and here are two producers we did not get a car for. Here is a card for the jelly of the month. Yeah. Enjoy it. You Wait, guys have to split the I jelly. Love jelly of the month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the Canucks are in action tonight. Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. You can hear the game right here. Canucks Islanders, 430 from New York to give us the Islanders side of things. We go to the phone lines now. Uh, our good buddy, Kevin Kurz from The Athletic here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Kevin. How are you, bud? Oh, I'm not too bad. Driving to the rink right now, so you got me in my car. So if there's a fiery crash or something, I'm going to blame you guys. The least you went out doing what you love, which is talking to us <laughs> at 930 in the morning, your time. Uh, okay, you're headed to the morning skate for tonight's game. Uh, where's the level of excitement and enthusiasm among this Islanders group right now that they've got their big trade piece in the lineup? He scored a goal in his home debut. They're chanting his name in the arena. I got to imagine it's good vibe central for the Islanders right now. Yeah, and I mean, they were. it's like they were waiting for something to happen because it was a pretty dreadful two months there where they couldn't score goals and they weren't winning games and it just wasn't very exciting at all. Um, so, you know, they bring in Bo Horvat and he, he obviously has an, has an impact right away. They're 2-0, um, scores a goal. They, they finally got more than two 
in nine games. Um, and that's been the biggest issue is scoring goals. So uh, there, there's some excitement here. I, I think it gave a jolt to the group. I think that's the real thing. Um, and we'll see if they can get back into playoff position because, like I said, I mean, for two months around here, it was it was pretty dreadful. They weren't playing well other than their goaltender. Now, um, everyone looks at this, and the short, small sample size is that the inevitable has happened, right? A big acquisition comes on board. Uh, he reinvigorates the group. There, are, I believe it's four wins in a row now, two on either side of the right. uh, of the All-Star break. But I guess the big question is, is one, is this sustainable? And two, is this going to translate into a playoff position for the Islanders? Because we talked about this yesterday a lot. That chase in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference, there's a lot of teams trying to get into the playoffs. And at the end of the day, it certainly looks that one, two, maybe even three pretty good hockey teams are not going to be in that playoff picture. You know, for me, it's going to depend on the power play because that's been the biggest issue season long with this. Well, not not season long, but I mean, for the last two or three months, anyway, the power play has been terrible. I mean, it was they, when 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 Horvat got here, I think it was in a three for sixty five stretch or something like that, or zero for twenty five, and they got one on Monday. It was from the second unit and Kyle Palmieri, but obviously Horvat is a big component now of their top power play unit, and they only had one the other night against Seattle, and they didn't score. They're going to have to score now with him in there. Um, because, you know, five on five, this team's been okay. They haven't been dreadful, but the power play has been, and that's something that they just they need to get going. If, if they can get the power play going and, you know, their five on five game is okay, if you look at all those teams in the Eastern Conference that are fighting for a playoff spot, the Islanders have the best goalie out of all of them. So that's a big piece, I think, when you're trying to win games, particularly this time of year, is you need the goaltending. And it's not just been Sorokin. Semyon Barlamov has been um, himself very good lately. He won the final game before the break, and he won the first game against the Flyers coming out of it. So that goaltending tandem is, is sort of the foundation of this team. So... If they can get the power play going and the goaltending remains solid, then they do have a chance. Uh, the Horvat deal obviously wasn't just a rental. That was made extremely obvious from the moment that it took place and Lamorello said what he said and then did what he did, giving Horvat that massive eight-year extension at $8.5 million per. How has that extension been received locally? Well, I think generally positive. Um, you know... You guys know how every fan base is, right? You tend to overrate the prospects in the system. Everyone thinks that their leading scorer in the AHL is all of a sudden, not everyone, but a big chunk of the fans feel like your leading scorer in the AHL is all of a sudden going to come up and um, be a point-per-game player at the NHL level. And obviously that, that's not how it works. So, you know, Ratu did some nice things. I think the foundation is there for him to become a solid NHL player, but is he a blue chip prospect, a surefire top six forward? No, he's not. Um, so I think that's important to remember. Uh, you know, and, and Lamorello, you know, it's going to be the fourth straight season. They're not going to have a fourth, uh, a first round pick unless they somehow get back in the first round between now and draft day. So the, the system is thin. So I can understand some of the consternation about trading another first round pick, trading another prospect for a player to join a team that has an aging core, and particularly an aging core up front. But, you know, 
this team's got to win now. They've got to get in the playoffs. They're in their second season in their brand-new building. There weren't any playoff games there last year. I think the focus now is turned towards this season, and obviously it's off to a good start. We'll see where it goes. But if they miss the playoffs, they'll be, I think, a little bit more um, – they'll look at the long-term deal with a little bit more of a critical eye. How much concern is there about the aging group of forwards? Because that's something that we looked at, actually, before Horvat had signed the extension with the Islanders. We were sitting there going, like, I wonder I wonder if he's going to look at that and go, boy, like, do I want to join another team that might have salary cap issues down the line? I mean, one of the things that with the Canucks is they've got these contracts that – can't be moved. Um, I'm not saying that the Islanders are in that position yet, but you're looking at some of those contracts to aging players, and you're going, I don't know how those are going to age. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, Anders Lee, Brock Nelson's still playing well, but he's over 30. Kyle Palmieri is another one over 30. I think that's a fair criticism. Frankly, it reminds me a little bit of when I was in San Jose and they signed Eric Carlson, and it was the same sort of a criticism right all these aging forwards and not just aging forwards defensemen too and (laughs) they're in pretty dire straits now they're going to take some time to dig out of it so I wonder if there's a comparison to be made there but you know when someone hands you eight and a half million a year for eight years I don't I don't think if you're in full Horvat shoes you're going to overthink it Speaking to Kevin Kurz from The Athletic here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Kev covers the Islanders. The Islanders are taking on the Canucks tonight, 4.30 from New York. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Kevin, i got to ask you, is Lou Lamorello done, or is he at the stage where he's all in and he may as well just keep going for it as we get closer and closer <laughs> to the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, it seems like that a little bit, because I don't think Horvat's the only deal they can make. If they want to be a legit Stanley Cup contender, and I do get the sense that that's what they're going for, they, they want to get in and see what happens, you need a little bit more here. I think a puck-moving defenseman is probably at the top of the wish list now. That's been sort of a persistent problem at times with this team. As, and Lane Lambert said it, that they, they've, had, they've had trouble a little bit at times getting the puck out of their own end. And You look at these, this, this defense score, there's still too many mistakes back there, I think, um, particularly from guys like Scott Mayfield, Sebastian Ajo, Alexander Romanov. Those guys have all done some good things, but the, the, the consistency there from, from the bottom half of the defense group I don't think has been good enough. So that's a move I could see them making. I still think you're looking at another depth forward here. You've got two guys that are one guy in Oliver Wallstrom who's probably out for the season, and the Cal, Cal Clutterbuck we haven't heard from at all since he went out. He could be out, too, for the rest of the season. So I think there's another forward move to be made there. I, I look at the right side particularly, Josh Bailey, um, Simon Holst, Holmstrom, both playing right wing in the top nine. Are those guys you want to go into the playoffs with playing prominent roles? I think that's up for debate. So I, I think there are more moves to come, but there are they are short on assets now after this deal, so it, it might take a little bit of a creative, uh, some creative thinking from Lou to, in order to bolster this roster before the deadline. The Islanders have three games against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the next month. Safe to say those games are going to be pretty intense. Yeah, big time, and it, it's important for the Islanders now this week to put points in the bank ahead of that because they've got some winnable games here against Vancouver tonight, and then they go to Montreal, then they host Ottawa. So. Um, 
they've got to keep getting points in the bank because the schedule is going to get more difficult. They're going to have Pittsburgh. Um, I know they have a back-to-back in Minnesota and Winnipeg at the end of the month. So uh, the schedule will get tougher uh, moving forward. So this is a big game for them tonight. They, they've got to keep getting points here because, yeah, the Penguins are there. They have their own, their own issues, but I, it, it, it's – you said it earlier, they're all bunched in together there, so those games are going to be important for sure. Uh, is the plan to talk extension with Sorokin this offseason? He's got two years left on his deal, I believe, so they could, they could it would be one year after this one, so they could talk extension, but he's pending UFA. Yeah, I would think they would certainly want to get those talks uh, going as soon as possible. I mean, this guy, he's the real deal to me. He just makes so many difficult saves look easy. And I was particularly impressed with him during the stretch where the Islanders just weren't scoring goals. I mean, it wasn't because of him. He was just great. And he wasn't letting the fact that he had like a 930 save percentage over an 11-game stretch and he had only won like five of those games. So um, I don't think there's any question they're going to want to get him locked up for the long term. He's the franchise goalie, you know, 27 years old, right in the prime of his career. And uh, I would be shocked if they didn't try to get that done this offseason. Kev, great chatting with you, buddy. I know it's been uh, a busy week for you, and it's going to be busy going forward. I know everyone in Vancouver is going to be watching to see how the Islanders do down the stretch. Enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks for joining us, bud. Yep, you got it, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Kev. Kevin Kurz from The Athletic covers the New York Islanders, the Islanders, and Bo Horvat. In action tonight against your Vancouver Canucks 430 puck drop from New York. Uh, You can hear it all right here. Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. So there is a game tonight. And, you know, the head coach, Rick Tockett, taking these games very seriously. Wants to implement a lot of things. Calling out the five guys, one of whom was Andre Kuzmenko, who weren't very good last night. They get a chance to make up for it tonight. Uh, Interesting here. Because as the games go on, we're kind of interested in the process. But I'm not going to lie. Um, especially in light of the NBA trade deadline going crazy last night, I'm really fixated on more trades, yeah, more trades, and more trades for the Vancouver Canucks. So kudos to Elliot Friedman. During the intermission of last night's game, came on and laid out the multitude of trade scenarios that still exist for this Vancouver Canucks team. You look at, and again, we're apples to oranges here, but I mean, just look at, think about what the Brooklyn Nets have done in the span of four days. Mm. They have completely completely gutted their team they made a decision which I guarantee you was aided by the fact that you had to deal with Kyrie wanting out and then the knock-on effect was Durant yeah. probably said, I'm ready to go now too <laughs> but the point remains they realized at a certain point that you gotta strike while the iron is hot mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes you know, even if you think you might be on a trajectory, reality slaps you in the face, and, right? And is it safe to say that it's best to have a definitive direction? Like you're That's either a good point. You're either in the win now or you're in the pure let's look at the future. Exactly. And that's exactly it. Where are you in your evolution? Sometimes it's good not to be muddled when answering that. Just have a real definitive we're going in a new direction. So in the case of the Brooklyn Nets, they acquired Not one, not two, not three, but four unprotected first-round picks for Kevin Durant in addition to a bunch of players. I mean, that's a lot of capital moving forward. Now, the Canucks probably aren't going to get four unprotected first-round picks. Like, I I just don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. Call me a pessimist. 
House of negativity, but You're I don't. Pessimist. I don't see it happening. However, I do think, and as we keep hammering home this point, this the rest of this season, even if you love the guys that you're moving out the door, it should all be about asset re, asset acquisition, and that can come in many ways, shapes, or forms. Mm-hmm. Right? Draft picks, prospects, cap space, huge part of this. Right? Now, uh, what else do we have from Free Jesse? I believe he talked about JT Miller. Yeah, his name is starting to come up. Sat's been talking about JT Miller a lot. Which Sat is, which absolutely is, has. Which, yeah. is, which is curious. Let's hear from Freege now and what he had to say at the intermission of uh, yesterday's Canucks-Rangers game. I would say this. that One of the rumors going around has been Carolina. I, I'm not convinced of it. I do think there was a time uh, in the summer when they were looking at a potential kind of three-way deal involving Matthew Kachuk that maybe Miller's name came up, but I don't think, uh, I know some people have talked about the Hurricanes. I don't see that one happening right now. The fact that it's out there is something. Now you probably will all be clapping back at me and being like, oh, you guys said the Rutherford retiring stuff was out there too. Well, look, we hear things, we read things, we see things, and then we discuss it. That's kind of how the song and dance goes. The Miller situation is twofold. One, obviously it's because his contract hasn't kicked in yet. Mm-hmm. So there's always that maneuverability. And two, you keep coming back to it. If you can acquire assets and you can get something that's going to fit a little bit better with your projected window and when your arc, your competitive arc begins, you have to explore it. I, I think the same logic applies to a Miller trade as it does to a Demko trade. It just kind of makes sense logically. I was listening to, uh, to Sat a couple days ago, and he was talking about JT Miller and uh, how the Canucks still want something for JT Miller. Like, they want value for him. Sure. They want a first-round draft pick and a prospect for him. And I texted Sad and said, if they were offered a first-round draft pick and a prospect for JT Miller and they didn't take it, they should all be shot into the sun. Basically, like that. Yeah. That I mean, to me, I, I think that's greedy. I think that's getting greedy. But I don't know what the market is. Just I have no remember, idea. Remember, again, we, we had a conversation not too long ago, and this was a comment from Frank, Frank Saravelli that made waves in this market, where I said, do you think you could trade JT Miller right now and not retain salary? And he was like, no, I don't think so. So what is what is the the asset value for JT Miller? Who I, knows? I know Sat and Dan have been talking about like would Columbus be interested in a JT Miller because you could use his contract maybe possibly as a positive. You say, you know, I know Johnny Gaudreau signed there, but in history you've had trouble retaining guys. Well, yeah. you trade JT Miller to Columbus before his no move clause kicks in, his no trade his trade protection kicks in, he doesn't have a choice. He has a contract. He's stuck. He would have to stay there. Now, <laughs> they tried that once with Jeff Carter and he pouted his way out of Columbus. So there are always issues with doing that like there are always ways to get out of a city. You can just pout your way out of that city. Is or- it now worth mentioning that JT Miller is from East Palestine, Ohio? I think it's worthwhile. I think it's worthwhile. That's his hood. Like that's really? his area of the country. Yeah, he's from Ohio. Yeah. Oh, I knew Ohio. He, I just didn't realize the city. He's East, a re- East he's Palestine. A, huh. Bit of rival of West Palestine. Yeah, he's a Rust Belt guy. I don't even know if West Palestine exists. Um, I, if they trade JT Miller though, and it's a futures deal, then you're just look. You're you're going okay. What happened? 
Was there some moment during the season where you were like, okay, we have completely changed direction? Then? The explanation would be, I would be on pins and needles to hear the explanation. Mm-hmm. Because another guy... <laughs> God, it would be it would be so well-received in this market. I know, it but... It would be so well-received. But it would also be a handful of months after giving him this long-term financial commitment that really stirred up some emotions in the guy. And I, you know what would be amazing? If they traded uh, him and Besser and then had to do a, like a dual explanation. It's like, why did you guys sign these players to fairly lucrative extensions and then trade them shortly thereafter? Was that part of the plan? Were you guys playing 4D chess? Was it guaranteeing cost certainty? I don't think that would be the answer. But uh, the Besser situation, of course, is what I'm alluding to here. Uh, Besser was also one of the main characters yesterday during the intermission. Laddie, we'll pull up the audio now. This is Elliot Friedman on, again, as we run through all of these candidates to be traded from Vancouver going into the March trade deadline. Here's the latest on Brock Besser, there's also some clever uh, the music because it was taken off television. So there's a little bit of music in the background as well. Just bear with us. This is Frege on the Besser situation from last night's broadcast. Uh, initially, they didn't want to keep money or take a contract back. Now they've let it be known that they will be willing to keep money or potentially take a contract back as long as it's less in term than Besser's is. I think the team we've all kind of wondered about here is his hometown team of the Minnesota Wild. Now, the Wild have made it pretty clear they don't think they can take much in contracts going forward because of the salary cap issue they have. But if they are able to figure out something where maybe the Canucks take a player back who's got a bit of term, I think there's a bit more likelihood that can happen. Uh, I do think Besser and the Canucks and the Wild have all talked. His agent has permission to speak to other teams. I I just don't know what the likelihood of that is that's going to happen. So the interesting thing here is that it feels like all parties really want to make Besser to Minnesota fit, right? but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Well, Matt Dumba doesn't have term beyond this season. Sure. Right? And what and what Freed is saying is that if they take on Besser, who still has term, the Wild would have to give up someone who still has term. So maybe that's a guy like Jordan Greenway, who still has a couple of years after this one and a cap hit of $3 million bucks. Now, that wouldn't completely solve or match up with Besser's contract, but it would mitigate it a little bit. Yep. I don't know if there's a deal to make there. I don't think so. I don't know. Who knows? Also, I don't even think it's what Minnesota needs. What do they need? Uh, they need, I, to be perfectly honest. You tell me what they need then. I, I, here's the thing. I don't think they need a forward that's making $6.5 million annually that has mm-hmm. nine goals this year. Like this isn't, I'm not saying they don't need help. Uh, at forward, adding another piece or adding another goal scoring. I think Besser is completely checked out in Vancouver right yeah, now. Yeah, that could be the possibility now, of that too, right? I mean, you, you yeah. know, I, I think with uh, with 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 um, a change of scenery, especially you go to Minnesota, I think you'd see a better Brock Besser. I agree. Maybe this is I me agree. being too uh, optimistic or um, giving him too much credit, but I think he's he's out. Like he's just he does. He's not having any fun right now. I guess what I'm trying to say is it seems like um, Minnesota would have to do a lot of like flexible cap maneuvering, you know, like really sort of contortionist stuff to bring a guy that doesn't really fit their specific areas of need and would require you're almost banking on him having a bounce back or being uh, reinvigorated going to Minnesota. And it just seems like that's a lot to give up and a lot of work to 
it's a speculative move because there is the reality that, you know, that doesn't happen. <laughs> that maybe he's just physically not able to do what he did early on in his career. I think somewhere like New Jersey makes a little bit more sense because they actually do have a bona fide lack of scoring on the wings in their top six, and there's positions to be had there. The issue is, again, the ticket, and are you going to either have to retain, which it sounds like the Canucks really don't want to do, yeah. or are you just bringing back a really bad contract as well? And all of that makes for a very delicate scenario, I would say. A delicate scenario. Uh, coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, we're going to switch gears. We're going to change lanes, as I like to say, although I haven't said that in a while. Evan Drellich is going to join us on the program. Uh, for those that maybe kind of remember the name, it was him and Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic who essentially broke the Houston Astros cheating scandal. And in subsequent years since breaking that, uh, Evan has become very popular. He's become one of the senior writers for the business of baseball, The Athletic. He's also the author of a new book, Winning Fixes Everything, How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sports' Biggest Mess. This, of course, is about the Houston Astros and what they did during that season when they won the World Series by banging on trash cans. And then their legacy and what they've left behind, this gigantic mess that is and was the Houston Astros. So we're going to talk to Evan Drellich coming up next. <laughs> the gigantic mess of winning the World Series. Repeatedly. And then not really <laughs> suffering all that much for it. <laughs> what a mess. What a mess. Anyway, Evan's going to join us next. Very excited to talk to him. You should be very excited to hear him talk. You can do so by, you know, keeping it right here on Sportsnet 650.